Good morning, church. How are you? Are you good? If, well, it is really lovely to see you this morning. Um, apparently, today is a big event. I don't know whether you've heard of it, but it is the day that we celebrate the risen King. Today is not a day for mourning. Today is not a day for weeping or gnashing of teeth. Today we celebrate. Today is the highest event in the Christian calendar. Today is the day. It is the day. There is no day like today. It's like today because there never will be an event that eclipses that moment in history when Jesus rose from the dead. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is the risen king and not the dead king. Amen? Trion, you're going to come and read our scripture for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for Trion's gift of reading scripture. We thank you, Lord, that you give her everything she needs to read the scripture. You give her a clean heart. You wash her right up, Lord. She is clean and perfect in your presence, Father. Lord, help her to read this with a clear voice this morning. Lord, help the words that she reads reach the hearts that need to hear this word this morning. Lord, we pray for lives changed as a result of this reading, Lord. Amen. Reading this morning is from John 19, verse 38 to 42. No, no, 38, verse 38 to chapter 20, verse 10. Okay. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but sure, secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus bought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 35 kilograms. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was near, they laid Jesus there. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at it and at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, 
he saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Well, a bit of a cliffhanger, isn't it? They turn up, the huge heavy stone that's been rolled away, the burial clothes perfectly left, as if the body inside them just <coughs> disappeared. They weren't thrown all over the place. They weren't scattered. Most importantly, they weren't stolen. Because when a thief comes to steal from a grave, it's rare that they take the thing that doesn't actually cost anything and leave the stuff that does. Now, this is a bit of a mystery. And we'll see in a minute exactly how this is rectified. But I want to approach you this morning and get you to check your expectations of why you're here this morning. I want you to check your expectations about what you expect from this service, from me as your pastor, from your leaders. I like comedy. And one of the people that I really like and find hysterical is Tony Hancock. Now, for the older members of the congregation, you will know exactly who Tony Hancock is. For the younger ones, uh, sorry, this is going to be boring. Um, Tony Hancock was a comedian in the 50s and 60s. Um, he was a very funny man. He was a very odd-looking man. He almost looked miserable. Uh, something I can really kind of uh, appreciate. Um, he had a kind of uh, look about him. He was a bit of a depressive, but he was very, very funny. And there was a very, very famous sketch that he did one night in this live uh, radio broadcast that he was the Hancock's Half Hour. It was performed in front of a live studio audience with the scripts and everything. And he performed this sketch called the Blood Donor Sketch. Yeah. <laughs> you all remember that? Yeah. He goes to a, he goes to get uh, blood taken from his arms, donate blood, do the right thing. And uh, he rolls up his sleeve and talks to the guy and says, well, there you go. I'm doing my bit, chum. I'm doing my bit. And they say, okay, that's fine. Um, we're going to take... Uh, we'll take about a pint. Even a pint? A pint? That's very nearly an armful. And when he went off stage, the crowd went absolutely nuts, like they'd never gone nuts before. It was one of the most hysterical things that he'd ever done and they'd ever seen. And he came off and he looked utterly, utterly destroyed. And Galton and Simpson, the guys that wrote that sketch, turned around to him and said, Tony, what's the matter with you? You've just given the performance of your career. They love you. Listen to that applause. And he said, how do I follow that? When I read this story, 
I say to myself, how do I follow that? How can I make this story any more amazing for you than it already is? I could use an anecdote about Tony Hancock, but I don't think that's going to cut it. I could just read scripture out, and that would be enough, to be honest. I wouldn't really have to expand on it, because scripture is perfect. So I want you to adjust your expectations. I can't make this story any more amazing, any more spectacular than it already is. And if you're expecting me to, then I apologize, because I'm not God. I can't reinvent this amazing story and make it any more relevant to your lives than it already is. And believe me, you will not find a story in all the world, in all of time, that is more relevant and more needed than this story. It is for every single one of you. This week we've been looking at the journey to the cross. And around you, you will see these little music stands with various little bits on. And these are the stations that we did on Monday Thursday. This kind of bullet points certain aspects of Christ's journey to the cross. We have Jesus praised when he was in Gethsemane. Jesus arrested. Over there, we have Peter's denial. We have the trial of Jesus. Here, we have the passion. And here, we have the bookends. We have Jesus at the Last Supper. And we have the First Supper in Christ's new church. This morning, we are dealing with the risen because everyone in these stations, all the characters that you will read, had spent time with Christ. Peter especially had said that Christ was king. He was the Messiah. Jesus asked him, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter just said, oh, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And yet... He denied who he was. He told them several times, I'm going to die. This is the point with me. I'm going to die. But don't worry. Don't worry. It will be okay. Don't panic. So what happens? Jesus dies on the cross for our sins and... What do the disciples do? Do they lift their hands in the air and go, praise God, hallelujah, we are saved. He was the Messiah. It's all good, ladies and gentlemen. It's all fine. He is the risen king. Did that happen? No, it didn't. They raised their hands in the air and ran around going, ah, what's going on? Ah, I don't understand. I'm confused. He was supposed to be the son of God, but now he's dead. And then when they turn up at the tomb and they see that the body has disappeared in a miraculous poof, that a large stone, even though it was guarded, has been rolled away and the tomb is empty. Even then they go, ah, I don't understand. Jesus 
a little bit later, Mary's at the tomb, and she's saying, they've taken my Lord away. I don't know where they've put him. Help! I don't know where he's gone. I don't know where his body is. And this chap turns around to her, and he says, woman. Now, what does woman mean? <coughs> Mother, majesty, mom, respectful, woman. Why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Jesus said to her, one word. And in that one word, light bulb moment. What does he say? He says, Mary. Now, you know when your loved ones say your name, you know who they are, right? There's a special way, I can't explain it, but when a loved one says your name, a husband, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, when they say your name, you instantly know where you stand with them, right? I know when I hear my name said, Ian, I know I didn't clean the kitchen. I know when Laura says my name in a certain way, I know that I'm not in trouble and that I've actually done something nice for a change. So when Jesus says her name, he wants her instantly to know who he is, who she is to him, and where their relationship is. Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni! She means teacher. She went to grab him. She was holding on to him. Oh, I can't believe it. You're here. He said, no, 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 wait. Don't touch me just yet. I haven't risen properly. I haven't ascended. But don't worry. Everything is going to be all right. I want you to do something for me, Mary. I want you to go to the others. I want you to tell them what has taken place. So what does she do? She streaks off like lightning, bursts in, and tells this gathered group of glum disciples, he's alive. He's alive. Now, Imagine how you might feel if you had watched someone actually die and be buried, and then someone comes in saying, He's alive! How are you going to feel? Now, you might not feel that that's quite a remarkable thing, because the movie industry, Hollywood, thrives on breaking your expectations. They will go to extraordinary lengths in a film to make sure someone is definitely dead and there's no way that anything can happen to bring them back. 
For those of you with a long memory, you may remember Daris. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> Daris. That subverted expectations, didn't it? Bobby being dead, and then all of a sudden, poof, he's alive. It was all a dream. Sorry, any spoilers, and 35-year-old spoilers. Um, but you didn't expect it. Hollywood has made the unexpected become the expected now. Because when someone dies in a movie, when Captain America or Iron Man or someone like that disappears or blown up, they come back. Now, where is that story from? Where is that narrative from? Well, it's from here. And they're copying it. They're stealing the narrative of the risen hero. It never does it quite justice. Because when someone dies in a film, it means nothing to you. It may be a character that you love. But when this man rose, it meant everything to every single one of you. It meant the word of God was true. It meant that God can bring people back from the dead. It meant that your sins have been forgiven. <clears throat> everything you've ever done, everything you ever will do, was paid for by this. And the check was cashed the day he rose from the grave. He bore it on there. Every lash, every nail, every whip, every kick, every spit, every punch. But today is the happy day. Because here is the proof that all of that was worth it. Today is the proof that you, if you have Jesus in your heart, if you believe that he is who he said he is, and he did what he did, you are saved. You have become part of the story. Every single one of you, if you let Jesus into your heart, if you come to him and say, I believe that you died to save me from the cost of my sins. Because the wage of sin, what you get out of sin is death. All right? That's the price of living a bad life. Doing wrong things. <coughs> that is the price that you pay. But... If you allow the risen king, if you allow Jesus into your heart, right now, he picks up the chair. He butts in and says, uh, 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 no, I'll pay for this. You can't afford this bill. I'll pay for this. This one's on me. Does he require you to do anything other 
I'm going to say thank you and believe. No. You don't owe him anything. You don't even really have to lead a good life after. You could choose to be horrible. You could choose to be mean. And I'm sure some of us do still choose to do that on occasion. I do. I still choose that. I still choose the old me. But I'm not a slave to him. I'm not slaved. I'm not tethered to the old person that I was. When I do something now, it's not because I'm a slave to sin, it's because I choose it. Because the power, the slavery to sin has been broken. Here, you paid it. So when I do something wrong, it's because I've chosen it. Now Jesus gives you a choice. You can have eternal life. You can have your best life now if you believe. If you believe that Jesus, the risen King, is your Saviour and that he paid the price, you are saved. And believe me, when you understand that, and when you take that into your heart, that you are loved so much by God, that he sacrificed his only son, when you believe that in your heart, you want to lead a good life. It doesn't mean you're going to get rich. It doesn't mean you're going to be healthy. It doesn't mean you aren't going to die on this planet. But it does mean that you are loved and that everywhere you go, the Father will be with you. The Holy Spirit will be with you. Jesus goes with you. And he will give you the strength, he will give you the knowledge, he will give you the passion to do great things. You will get baptised by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God's word, will live inside you. He will guide you, he will teach you. He will keep you on the right path even when you choose to ignore him. He will still guide you back. Now, I've got this little thing that I want to do. It's a symbolic thing because you're just listening to my words, right? Some of you are probably nodding off. What I want you to do if you want to, I want you to come up 
Now this is the cup. These are our old church cups from when we were at church in Worthing. These are our old communion cups. Now in here, I have some finger paint. That's all it is. But this means something. If you want to be forgiven, if you want to feel what it's like to receive forgiveness, stick your finger in there. That is Jesus' blood that was shed for you. This is a visual representation of what forgiveness means. And you come up and you wipe that sin that you have on there like that. I'm clean. It's as simple. As simple as that. I'm washed clean. It's as simple as that. If you want to do that, if you want to partake in that right now, come up. Don't be nervous. If that's something that you want, if you want the forgiveness of Christ in your life, if you've got something, maybe an addiction that you're struggling with, maybe there's something in your life that's not quite as it should be, well, then put it on your finger, take it to the cross, and let the risen God pay for it. It's as simple as that. So if you want to, come up. Come up now. All are welcome. Christians, non-Christians, if you want that forgiveness. If anyone else would like to step forward, now is your chance. Those that followed Jesus were called publicly. Do you want this? Come to cross. You believe that he has forgiven your sins. You are forgiven. Amen. That's what the Lord can do. I can't top that. That's on him. We have communion. Now, if you want to partake, those that have been forgiven, communion is for you. If you haven't made that step, then you are more than welcome to come up and someone will pray for you. If that's what you want, then you can just sit just respectfully and quietly while we perform and feel this next step. So. Well, we've reached that point in our service where we pray together. We can offer up prayers for the things that are on our hearts. And believe me, today there is a lot on our hearts. So let me pray for you. And, and then if you've got something to share, if you've got something you want to sing out, then don't be afraid. Just go.
Lord, we thank you that you have given us strength, you have given us courage, you have given us power to overcome everything that life throws at us. Lord, we thank you for new life at Easter. We thank you for those people that today have put that one foot in front of the other, approached you, Lord. Lord, I'm so excited for what lies in store for these now brothers and sisters, Lord. Lord, just thank you so much for the work that you do in, in your church. Amen. I feel as if the kingdom has just grown slightly in this place of something. We have a little free gift, Laura and Julia. Can you hand that? You're right to do that. Yeah. A little free gift to you from FCC, made by our wonderful Queen of the Craft, June. So please take one. They are they are free. Okay, everyone, let's say the grace together, shall we? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.